This morning, uh, we're going to continue our series, uh, Well-Watered Garden. And, uh, but I want to start with a little bit of a review from last week because uh, I'm going to utilize this today. And we've been uh, talking about how in a garden, uh, it's a lot different than a man-made environment or a rainforest. A rainforest is made by God, maintained by God, and you never have to do anything. It just maintains itself. And as long as man doesn't mess with it, it's all good. It'll look the same way a thousand years from now as it does right now. Beautiful. Same things growing, same ecosystem popping. It's happening, right? Cityscape, 100% made by man, a lot of concrete, a lot of steel, a lot of wood that man, made, uh, that man milled and installed, and anything man makes, he has to maintain. And so if man just kicks back and says, okay, God, take care of my building for me, let's see how good a job God does with that, okay? And so we know that that's not how it works. We know that it wor- the way that it works is God and man cooperating one another like we see in a garden, where it takes God who created the idea of the seed and uh, provides seed for us and soil and water and sunlight. But it takes man to go out and operate it, right? And so today we're going to go back to that first garden and talk a little bit about that. But in Isaiah 58, I just want to remind you of this verse. That, In fact, let's pull that up on the screen if we could. The Lord will guide you continually, giving giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring, okay? In other words, there's something from the inside of you that's constantly being produced that allows you to handle the scorching problems of this earth, the sun uh, that seems to scorch and wither things away, or the drought, or whatever the case may be, and right now, We are in a time where we can see what's happening with people. We see what's happening when the pressure gets on, when conflict goes on in our country and around our world. You can see people dropping like flies because that connection that they have with God just isn't there. Maybe it was a religion or maybe it was just, uh, you know, it was more of a celebrity culture type thing. Or maybe it was just a a, a habit that they grew up with or it was their parents' religion or whatever the case may be. But those that truly find their strength from God, when the tough times come, they have something on the inside of them that waters them from within so that they're not having to be watered from without. Does that make sense? And so... As we talk about well-watered garden, understand the comparison. The comparison of our lives and us as a church, our community, the body of Christ. We have to understand that there are some components that we can learn from the garden that we can apply in our everyday lives. And the reason that I want to talk about that in this season of our lives is because we need to be prepared for when the sun comes out and stays out. We need to be prepared When the rain comes and doesn't seem like it's going to stop, we got to know how to to work with the garden. So in Genesis chapter chapter 2, let's go there. Genesis chapter 2, we have this passage of scripture that, um, that talks about the Garden of Eden. And it says this, 
that God placed man in the Garden of Eden. This is right after he created everything. And he placed man in the Garden of Eden to tend it and watch over it. God puts human beings in the garden to tend it and watch over it. Other translations say this. Let's pull those up. To cultivate and to tend it, to work it and watch over it, to dress it and to keep it. So the ideas of humans in the cooperation with God, God does his part. He creates the garden. But then he puts us in it to tend it. One translation says to till the ground and make it work. And so you see these definitions here. You see that there's a place for man. Even though God is the creator, he puts us in to tend things. And so that means that, that we have a, a role to play. It's not all God. It's not all man. It's a partnership. Now, God is the one that gives us strength. God is the one that infuses with spirit. God is the one that gives us breath. God is the one that created us. God is the one that redeems us. God is the one that, that fills us and guides us. But yet, we have a, a part to play. You have a part to play. And so as we go through this series, let's just remember, we're talking about a partnership here. Where even though God is in control. He's using you to be in control. Did you hear what I'm saying? When we say God is in control, what, what we're saying is that God is using people all over the world to build his garden. And where there's conflict, he sends people running to the conflict to bring the healing, to bring the peace, to bring the hope, to bring the endurance, to, and to bring the salvation message everywhere. Are you following me? Yeah. So when we talk about salvation, a lot of times people think of, I said a prayer after church one day and, and confessed my sins, and then I got saved, and now I get to go to heaven. And so that's all salvation means to them. But if you look up the word salvation, uh, it means to deliver from bondage to a new place, to a promised land, from a place of slavery or a place where you're enslaved, to a place where you are free. And so we have this illustration in the Garden of Eden of the condition of man. And when we look at the opportunity that man and woman had with Adam and Eve, you see this story, we see that they were in this garden where everything was good. And the only thing they had to stay away from is this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, as long as they stayed in relationship with God and one another, everything was good. But the minute they began to open their eyes and see the power of power, the power of ego, the power of selfishness, all these kinds of things, then they messed up that innocence that's in the garden. And so we see these two, these three places. You remember this from last week. If you didn't see it last week, you'll have to get it to really understand the whole thing. But just a reminder that we have pride and we have sin, which is the same. And we have down here, we have shame. And this less than mindset. Okay? 
The interesting thing is, is that when we walk with God, we have this peace, this shalom. But the minute we go to the, tr- tr- uh, the knowledge of good and evil, we start looking at people through the eyes of pride and then the eyes of sin. And our, we get out of whack from this relationship with God where we know peace. This innocence of the garden. Okay? Remember this from last week? Okay. And what happens is, is that pride always comes before the fall. And so we oftentimes find ourselves in one of these two places. Either pride, we're better than God or above God, or we don't need God. We don't need the body of Christ. We can do it on our own. We'll just have our own quiet time. Right? And so, even though God designed us to operate as a body where each member brings, in fact, let's pull up that scripture, Ephesians chapter 4. In this passage, it says that he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So there's this body concept, this, that we are a part of a body. We're part of a garden. We're, par- we're part of a community. We're part of a relationship. So God knew that if they went to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they began to find out how good they really could be. And all of a sudden, personal growth and personal accomplishment and achievement and success becomes everything to them. Who needs God? I've got power. I've got strength. I've got, I got the 12 steps. I've got the, the, the steps to success. I've got the way to make a million dollars in a year. I can make $265,000 a month. And this pride, all of a sudden, discards this in order to get this success. Right? You follow me? But what happens is, is then one, one day when something, when success or your money can't buy you and you find yourself all alone going through a divorce or going through cancer or you just can't combat the thoughts that hit you at night in the middle of the night and the shame starts coming, the accuser of the brethren comes in and there's no defense. We, we feel naked, we, we feel ashamed. So we have this, this situation, and the idea is salvation is monitoring by the Holy Spirit. Every time you slip up into here or slip down to here, the Holy Spirit's pulling you back up to here, bringing you back down to reality here, okay? Humble yourself, right? Yeah. Lift your eyes and see the glory of the Lord. Right? All right. So, this place, this is the salvation place. This is the sweet spot that Jesus brings us to. So, God sends Jesus to die for our sin and shame. Right? That brings us up to this place where we get a rhythm with God. So, now, when we get this rhythm with God, then we have to recognize there, that there's a part that all of us plays. Because what happens is, soon as you find this peace, or you find this place, and you get your ego, 
or your truth or your self-worth, not too high and not too low, but in rhythm with God, when you get to this place, this is when you begin to grow. And then you start to gather other people around you in your small group or in your church or, you know, instead of isolating yourself and thinking you could do it on your own or just with you, you and your two kids, you realize that, no, I'm, I'm meant to be a part of a body. I'm part of this garden that God talks about in Ephesians, that God talks about in Genesis, that God talks about in Isaiah. I'm part of this well-watered garden where not only does God do something and plant a seed, but he also uses me to plant seeds. And so now, once we get here, now we start thinking about other people that are around us instead of judging them from being here or here. We start looking for opportunities to help them come into this space right here. Okay, so we're going to talk about that today. If I was to title this message, I would say, grab a rake. Grab a rake. We need to grab a rake. In this garden, you know, sometimes people just like going to the store to buy lemons or oranges or celery. They don't want to mess with the garden. They don't want to grow anything. But the minute the farmers quit farming, they have nothing to eat. When the trucks quit hauling, they have nothing to eat. Right? And pretty soon, they just don't know what to do with themselves. But like right now, all around the world, people are recognizing the importance of having your own little garden, right? Because they're like, man, if the stores aren't going to be able to have stuff at different times... I need to make sure that I'm planting a garden. And sometimes storms of life come in our Christian walk. Pretty soon, we, what was supplying us is cut off. The thing that we were getting energy and life from get, got cut off, and we realized that, that we were depending on everything from the outside to help us instead of allowing God to use us to grow a garden. And that can look like a lot of different things. It could be having your crew, your tribe. I remember years ago, uh, our, uh, Cameron, our son, um, got in with a group of his buddies. Uh, and they started a small group. And they started getting mentored by a real old guy that was in his 40s, I think, at the time. <laughs> and, uh, and so they took the time to sit with this old guy and he would pour out wisdom and ideas with them. And, and really what they did is they started a garden. Uh, they started a friendship. They started a relationship where they could challenge each other, encourage each other, laugh together, laugh at each other, be there for each other when they go through tough times and all that. And over a period of time, that garden began to produce some great fruit in their lives. But it was an intentional choice. They grabbed a rake and they started tilling the soil in each other. I picture this with Adam. I picture him grabbing a rake. God's like, okay, I know it looks good, but I need you to make this thing work. I need you to make this garden work. 
it's producing right now, but you need to tend it. When translation says dress it, you need to get out there and just fluff it up a little bit. Okay, clean up them leaves a little bit. You know, you like that that's growing, plant a little bit more of that over there and spread, spread the garden. Make it work. Do something. I'm convinced that the interesting thing is it says that he tells the human being to make the garden work. What was he doing? He was giving purpose. And this was before the fall of man. This wasn't after the fall of humans, or after they ate of the fruit. This was before all that happened. He's given them a purpose. What keeps you in this space is purpose. Having a rake in your hand, tilling the soil, building God's kingdom called the garden, or building God's garden called the kingdom. The kingdom of God needs the hand of God and the heart of man. It needs the heart of God and the hand of man. The, the two of those things together, what you do with your hand and what you do with your heart. Some people specialize in their heart. They keep things hidden in their heart, but they don't do anything with their hand. Some people can give time, but they're not giving heart. Some people give heart, but they don't give any time. There's something about doing something with your hand and doing something with your heart. And this is how we build the kingdom of God. Now, for us to have a church that is a well-watered garden, an environment where people can come and their soul gets saved, where they get lifted out of shame and darkness and out of self-reliance and this mindset that they're complete without God. In order for this to happen, we have to create an environment where each person is doing their share. Ephesians chapter 4 again. Let's pull that up. What we see is that he makes the whole body fit perfectly as each part does its own special work. There's a special work that you're called to. You have a special work. There are some things that God has put inside of you that you're just naturally good at, that I look at it and I shake my head and I go, oh my gosh, I don't know how you do that. I look at some of you and I look at some of you are money people and it's like, I don't know how you do that. You know how to do numbers. You can crunch them. You can balance stuff. You can do spreadsheets and stuff like that. I don't get it. Some of you are athletes and I'm like, oh, how did you do that? It's like, my body doesn't go there. I just don't know how to, it's never gone there. It's not that I'm 63, it's just that I've never been able to do that, right? Not, not naturally anyway. I mean, I suppose if I practice over and over and over and over again for 17, 16, 18 years, then maybe. The truth is, everybody, all of us have special gifts. Some of us can naturally speak well. And some of us are really, really good at solving problems. Some of us are great at painting, and some of us are really good with mechanic work, and some of us are great nurturing children. We all have gifts. Some of you are intercessors. Some of you, everything you set your hand to do turns to gold. 
You're gifted. Gifted communicated, communicator. Gifted friend. Gifted with landscaping. Gifted with anything. Anything that you're gifted with, God wants to use for his garden. God wants to use it all. Okay? Now, in this garden, we're trying to grow some things. We're, we're trying to grow some things in this garden here. And we're not, we can't just wait for God to create it. Okay? I'm all for about praying for a revival. We need to do that. We need to pray for revival. But if people don't humble themselves, it's never going to happen. Because the scripture tells us, if you will humble yourself and pray, okay, then I'll heal your land. Then revival will come, right? So there's this, there's this part that we both play. So God waters and he plants the seed, but we have to put the seed in the ground. We got to get the watering can out. Got to pull the rake out. We need to start tilling the ground. Okay, so in this, this garden, we're, we're wanting to see some things. Even before we plant a seed, we're wanting to see some things. We want to see forgiveness. We want to see a culture of forgiveness in this room right here. We don't want to be known for people that hold grudges. Hold sin over people's head. Ooh, yuck. That's the job of the accuser. Dude, if you're going to be holding people's sins against them, then you are a tool of the enemy. You need to get a rake and start tilling the garden so that you can get some forgiveness going. You need to, you need to crack open that hard heart. Say, we want forgiveness. We want redemption. We want to see redemption instead of judgment. You know, you see somebody that has an ideology that you think is destructive, and so you want to destruct them. Because they're a destructive force. So we start thinking, how can I get them out of the church? Or how can I get them out of my workplace or out of the school or whatever? Instead of saying, okay, God, show me how to till this soil. Show me, Lord, how to bring some redemption. You know, when you see people caught up in sin, you see a, caught up in sin or shame, you're looking to set them free. You're not looking to condemn them further. You're looking to bring them into this place right here. So listen, when you see somebody that's living outside of kingdom guidance, outside of the scriptural parameters, if the first thing that you think of is how to convince them they're in sin, you missed it. You missed it. Because the first thing you should think of is, God, in what way would you have me love this person today? Because when you love them, you're raking the soil so that then you have a place to plant the seed. So that the seed can go a little bit deeper. When you go straight to convict them of sin, what you're doing is you're hardening the soil and the seed bounces off. So what we're, we're doing is we're building the garden where we see healing and hope and joy, and laughter, and all of those kinds of things. And when people soften up, the Holy Spirit begins to draw them. The Holy Spirit, remember, it's not all you. You don't have to do the whole thing. The part that you do is you till the ground. You plant the seed. You water it. But God's the one that causes the growth. 
that he's the one that brings the conviction. When somebody started telling me about Jesus, they first started by asking me about my mom who was in the hospital. And he showed some real care. And he checked in with me every day, had lunch with me every day. We sat on the railroad tracks with our brown bag lunch, sitting there with my triple-deckered sandwich, three pieces of whole wheat bread, turkey, tomato, lettuce, sometimes bacon. Those were big sandwiches back then. It was a good time working in the shipyard. Yeah. When I weighed 140 pounds, you know, so, no, I didn't weigh 140 pounds. But anyway, sitting on that railroad tracks, and that guy just started witnessing to me. And the way that he witnessed to me was not about Jesus, not about God, not about my sin that he knew I was doing. Because it was very obvious what we talked about, what we laughed at in the shipyard. But this guy was obviously a Christian. And as he started witnessing to me, it started about his care about me and my mom. Because nobody in the shipyard asked me about my mom. Nobody. Every day he would ask, how's she doing? Do you want somebody to go visit her? Because I can go visit her. My wife and I could go visit her if you'd like. He tilled the ground because he was building something. He was getting ready to plant a seed, but he started with the love. He didn't try to convict me. When I told him I was going to go on a road trip with my girlfriend, he didn't tell me, oh, don't do that. You're not married. You guys shouldn't be going. I'm not doing all this. He, didn't, he didn't do that. He just waited. He just waited until the seed was planted. I came alive to Jesus, and when I came alive to Jesus, the Holy Spirit started convicting me of some stuff. It was like one day I just all of a sudden decided I wasn't going to do drugs anymore. Why is that? Because I felt convicted. I came alive. And he didn't do that. But he tilled the ground. He had a rake. He tilled the soil. He planted the seed. He invited me to church. And when I went there, somebody at the door loved me. Didn't ask me, where were you last night? What'd you put in your nose last night? Didn't say that. Are you, are you following me? Why? Because what was their goal? Their goal was to build a garden. Their goal was to plant a seed. Their goal wasn't to convict me of my sins. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so here I want I want to give you this thought that I think will really be helpful, because I think that sometimes we think that Christianity is is about just believing in God, or believing that Jesus died and rose again. That's a huge part of it, right? But it's more than that, because that understanding can come in a moment, but building a garden takes a season two seasons, three seasons before the harvest comes. In the winter season, you're getting ready for the next season. And so the four seasons of life is what we've been called into. Building a garden that is sustainable, that God and man together are working together. Now, 
When I was a kid, uh, my dad uh, ha- uh, built a cabin up on Whidbey Island. You've heard some stories about that. And when he was building it, it was raw land that went down to the, the sound, and you could see Kamano Island across the way. Sometimes I'd row a boat all the way over to Kamano Island. It's about two miles. And it was really cool. And growing up there, when I was, I can remember being like four years old being there. When I was six years old, my dad was out building the front yard of the cabin, doing some landscaping, and he was, he was putting in a rockery, and he had a pickaxe. And that pickaxe, he would take it, and he'd swing it into the ground, and he would disrupt that earth, get it all loosened. And when I watched him, sweat would just be coming down his forehead, dripping off his nose. He'd fill up that wheelbarrow with dirt, or he'd bring in dirt from other areas in a wheelbarrow that he had made out of old signs from the city where he had worked, worked for the city of Seattle for years. We got a picture of it here. This is my dad. Can't see it very good because that's 110 film, photographed, and then taking pictures with a cell phone many years later, but notice he's got that wood wheelbarrow. You see that pickaxe right in the middle? You can see his little martini cup right there, Dixie cup. Uh, but that, that pickaxe might not mean nothing to you, but every time I see it, it reminds me of the day that he says, son, I want you to try using this. I put that in my hand, and I lifted it up, and it went up like that, and it almost pulled me back over. And he says, okay, now swing it down. And I went, I went into that ground, and it kind of bounced. He says, try it again. Swing it harder. So I did it again. And I got that pickaxe to go into the dirt, and it loosened it up. And I remember that feeling on the inside. I'm like my dad. I'm like my dad. My dad can swing an axe. So can I. I felt so proud. <clears throat> From that day on, I helped my dad outside every time I could get a chance. Mow the lawn, dig ditches, use my Tonka trucks, whatever it took. You know, I just love being outside helping my dad, whatever it took. I just remember that feeling of feeling accomplished, like a I have a purpose. And guys, when we start grabbing our rakes for the kingdom, and we say, okay, how can I use my gifts and my talents so that I can bring people to this space, this salvation space, relationship with Jesus where sins are forgiven, where we see ourselves as child of the king, and we break people out of the chains of darkness. Why do we sing so many songs about breaking chains? Because chains are holding us in these two places. Chains of addiction, chains of immorality, chains of culture, chains of past hurts and wounds and belittling when people told you you would amount to nothing. Yesterday we had three men talking about battles they had And all three of them had moments of shame that held them in chains. 
All three of them. It's very common. We all have it. So I want to give you some thoughts real quick on in the kingdom. There's, there's four things real quick I want to give you. When you grab your rake, here's, here's four easy things to till. Four easy, ways to t- four easy ways for you to till the ground and be a part of a well-watered garden. Not just in your own soul, but also in the soul of your church. Also in the soul of your tribe. Some of you have little tribes that you're a part of. I know Kathy's a part of a group called the Morton Girls. That's a tribe. Some of you are in a small group. That's your tribe. Some of you are in a, in a group like Cameron has. That's a tribe. Your tribe of people. The worship team's a tribe. Okay, so you're going to bring some value to the tribe. Instead of just sucking the life out of people, you're going to bring it. Number one, use your gifts. Use your gifts. Use the gifts that you got. Okay? So you have some gifts. Use them for something other than yourself. I used to know a guy, Rude Will, and his dad used to always work on watches. Nobody ever came to the house. Nobody ever saw what he did. In fact, we weren't allowed. We'd sneak down there and watch him in the basement. He just got broken watches from the Goodwill, and he fixed them. Spent hours down there. He really liked it because he was a loner. He was, he was a guy that just liked to be alone. His wife was an alcoholic. She was upstairs drinking her life away. He was downstairs working on watches. But nobody ever benefited from his gift. He was an expert clock repairman. But nobody benefited from his gift. Not even people with broken clocks. He just would get used ones that nobody wanted and fixed them. And then he just kept them down there. How many of us have gifts that we use for ourselves, but nobody ever benefits? God wants to use that gift in the kingdom, in the kingdom garden. I had a guy that had two weeks off. He says, I want to give one week away. And so he came over to the church and just spent a week here helping us with odds and ends all over the place. It was awesome. Why? Because he had gifts. When we watched him work, it was like amazing to watch this guy work. He could use his hands like very few people I've ever seen. How do we use our gifts to honor God? Whether it's at your school, whether it's with your kids, friends in your neighborhood or at your church or at your place of employment, how do you use your gifts to build the garden? Ask yourself, are you even aware of what your gifts really are? If you say none, then you say that God dropped the ball because he gave everybody ministry gifts. You just haven't taken the time to look at them and explore them. Second thing, use your church. Some of you don't use your church you got friends that are, you're, they're struggling. they got addictions or they've got marriage problems or whatever. Use your church to help with that. You don't have to carry that weight. Get them in the environment. Get them in a small group. Get them in here. Get them to meet one of our pastors. Get them to meet one of our, our prayer team. Get them to meet one of our youth pastors or youth workers. Get them to meet one of our children's workers. Bring them in here. Use this place. Use this place. Use your invitation power. So the people's souls can get from shame to peace, from pride and arrogance into humility. 
into a peace with God that surpasses understanding, right? So use your church. Some of us, have, we just never thought about inviting somebody to church, but we see people that are struggling. We just go, man, if only they had a church like ours, if only they would just go to church, if only they would just come to know Jesus. It's like, dude, just invite them. That's what the guy did for me. He invited, he didn't know I was going to become a pastor. That's not why he invited me. He just knew I was a guy that was struggling with drugs, with a mom that was mentally ill, with a mouth like a sailor. That's all he knew. And he used his church, and he invited me to church. Third thing, get this mindset inside of you. Tommy Barnett coined this years ago. He said, when you see a need, meet it. This is how God works. God works when you see needs and you meet needs. When you see a need, because oftentimes God opens your eyes to see needs. There's some needs that you walk by every day you never see. God's never opened your eyes to see those needs because you, you can't meet every need. You can't meet every need that's out there, but you can meet the needs that God inspires you to, and prompts you to meet. Yeah. And never look at meeting a need as being, oh, well, it's not much. It's not the, no big deal. It wasn't much effort. It wasn't much money. It wasn't much time. No. It was a lady that said, Steve, we're glad you're here walking into church for my first time that made me feel wanted for the first time. Her, we're glad you're here. Move me from here to here. That was the day I got saved. Gave my heart to Jesus. See a need and meet it. And number four, find a hurt and heal it. Sometimes we feel sorry for people. And that's all the further it goes. Sometimes we get upset with people because they behave a certain way or they get triggered really easy. And the natural inclination is to push back and just kind of like, I just don't need to be around people like that. They get me down. People like that just get me down. It's like, no, people like that need your healing touch. Right? So when you see a hurt, how can you lift them out of that hurt and give them some hope, right? Let's open up our hearts a little bit. Let's till the ground. Let's grab a rake, rub it over our hearts, till the ground of our hearts, and allow God to use us to build a beautiful garden. Not just in our own lives, but a garden with this community. Don't do it on your own. Don't do it for yourself. Do it for others. And then you'll get everything you need. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. All the things that you want will be added to you as you go. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to be a part of a garden. We thank you for the peace of God that surpasses our understanding, that allows us to examine clearly what it is that you want us to do. Show us our gifts. Show us how to use our church. Open our eyes to see needs that we can meet. 
And Lord, help us find hurts that we can heal. May there be power in our prayers. May there be compassion and empathy in our prayers. May there be a salvation coming out of our mouth as we begin to bring healing to our community and to our world. God, may your kingdom come. May your will be done in our lives. And may our greatest year be in front of us. In Jesus' name. Would you stand to your feet real quick? God, you see these people that are standing here right now. Lord, whether they're here, here, or here, I pray that you would do a work. I pray that you would move them towards that which you are bringing them to. I pray that their eyes would be opened up to see, God, how you want to use them in your garden. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Wow. I feel like God wants to do something, guys. I feel like if we really get this well-watered garden, well, well garden idea going in our church, I have a feeling when times get tougher down the road, people will know they can come here. And just being in the environment of this place, the peace of God that surpasses their understanding, they won't even know what happened to them. Their soul will be set free. Chains will be lifted. And you'll be a part of it. And that feels good. Like swinging a pickaxe and knocking it into the ground like I felt when I was six years old. May you go do the same. God bless you. Have a good Sunday. Those of you that need prayer, our prayer partners are up here. We'd love to have you come join us for prayer.